0: A few years ago, I was uh, on a trip flying. flying out of Rochester, New York, in the middle of the winter. I don't recommend it. And it was windy. It was cold. The snow was howling across the runway. The plane had to pull out and sit on the tarmac there. We were delayed, of course and then after we were delayed we had to pull up to de ice and of course that process took some time it's still windy the it is howling you can hear the snow hitting the side of the plane from outside it was nasty it was awful i thought all right jesus my life is in your hands when i'm walking my life is in your hands when i'm you know when i'm driving it always astounds me i'm i'm always a little you know i think it's kind of funny when people say when you're getting ready to take a trip on an airplane, well, will be safe. Well, I mean, unless I trip on the tarmac, OK, or trip stepping over the threshold of the plane, it is out of my hands. Right. There's nothing I can do. So I'll try to be safe, but it's really not up to me. So we're on this plane and I'm thinking, all right, be safe, Gerald. All right. My seatbelts fastened. And, you know, if if they tell me to duck and put my head in between my legs, I'll do my best. But that's all I know to do. We took off. It was rocky. It was rough. And then we got above the clouds. And it was incredible. You just look down on this blanket of white clouds. And the sun is shining. It's a blue sky. It was incredible. And just the difference that that whole perspective made... Was astounding to me. And that's what we have in Revelation 4 and 5. We have an opportunity to get above all this mess. And I mean, you know. We're we're further into it now than we were. I shared this morning at the sunrise service. By the way, it was an awesome service. If if you were there, um, thanks for coming. If you weren't, uh, you saw Braden's heard Braden's testimony and saw his baptism. Uh, we had the biggest crowd we've ever had at a sunrise service. Jeremy counted over 225. I mean, it was. We're just ready to get out, right? I mean, that we're just ready to get out. And come and stand on the side of that beautiful lake and just praise our risen Savior. It was awesome to do that this morning. But we're still, we're still in a messed up world. We're, we're still in, you know, it's, it's still just crazy. And we need to get above it. We need a perspective that helps us navigate. That helps us understand who we are. Who our God is. And so on this day when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, we have an opportunity in the book of Revelation and we're working through Revelation on Sunday morning. If you're not a regular part of our church family here at Westwood and you don't have a church, we'd love for you to come and share with us as we go through the book of Revelation. Do not come expecting me to you know, explain it and tell you what it means, OK, because I don't really know what it all means, um, but we're working our way through it. What we have here in these two chapters, Revelation 4 and 5, is really not that hard to understand. It is a picture of our God who is reigning and ruling from his throne and of his exalted, resurrected son, the Lord Jesus Christ, reigning and ruling with him. And in Revelation chapter 5, we have this picture of the worship of God as our creator. We stood out there on the the banks of Lake Heiko, this morning, we saw the sun rise, and I couldn't help but think the heavens declare the glory of God. But that's not enough. The revelation of God through His creation is enough to display His power, and it's enough to show us that we're not God. It's enough to make us accountable to Him, but it's not enough to save us. And so God then goes further to reveal Himself through His Word. And ultimately, in his perfect word to us in Christ, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. John tells us in John one. And this perspective that we have in Revelation five is of Jesus and of him being lifted up and exalted there in the heavens. And we're going to take I'm going to take just a few minutes this morning just to touch on part of it. And then next Sunday, we'll go through the rest of Revelation five or get a little more specific with some stuff. We have just sung the, the point. That is the point of Revelation 5. Who is worthy? Who is worthy? Four times in these verses that word is used. Who is, who is worthwhile enough? Who has enough of what God is looking for to come and stand before him and receive into his hand literally the plan of God, the purposes of God? It all hinges on someone being worthy to take this scroll, this plan of God, if you will. We'll talk more about that next week. But this scroll is a picture of God's purposes and his plans of redemption. And if no one can take that scroll and open it, that plan won't be finished. It won't be fulfilled. We'll still be lost in our sin. But someone is found who is worthy. Amen. And he's Jesus. And so as, as we've just read, as you read with us, we see this picture coming, uh, coming open for us. We rise above the clouds of this broken, hurting earth. And we get this perspective of heaven itself. And John sees that. And he hears this. And he's having this vision. And the question comes from who is worthy to take this scroll? Who is worthy to take God's plan? Who is worthy to take it? And there's a problem. You ever thought about a problem in heaven? Well there is here a problem in heaven. No one is worthy. And this mighty angel asked this question and no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth is able to take the scroll and look into it and John is crushed by it. He understood what he was seeing and what he's hearing. What what will happen? How can we be rescued? How can things be made right? How can what sin has broken be restored? If there's no one to do this and no way it can be accomplished, we need to cry. And, and, and then the word comes from one of the elders. Weep no more. Here's the answer, John. Here's the answer, church. Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered So that he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals, he is Lord, the angel says, he is Lord, the elder says, he is Lord over God's plan. He can take the scroll. We'll see more about that. He is Lord because he can answer this problem that exists. He's the only one that is worthy. And he is Lord because he has the power. The, The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, that phrase talks about Jesus's full divinity and his full humanity. You go back to Genesis and read the account of this promise that came to Judah, that from him would be one who would reign over, who would rule forever. And then the promise to David that from you, David, from your loins, from your heritage, will come one who will sit on the throne, God's throne forever. So on one hand, it's this picture of Jesus's divinity. On the other hand, it's a picture of his humanity. And look. He has conquered. John says he is Lord over God's plan. And he is God. He is Lord because he has conquered. The word there is the word of Nike. The swoosh. It means conqueror. It means victor. It means someone who has prevailed. Someone who has overcome. Later on in chapter 12, it's going to be the same word used for you and me. Because what's true for Jesus is true for those who are His. And later on in Revelation 12, it's going to say that the saints, us, we have conquered by the blood of the Lamb. Do you hear that? Rise above it, church. Rise above the storm. Rise above the conflict. Rise above the COVID. Rise above all of it. And get this perspective. This is who we are. This is what Jesus has accomplished for us. He is victorious. But here's where it gets kind of. Paradoxical is is a is a light word for it. I touched on it last week for just a second. We'll see it again next week. John says that, John is told the lion he has conquered the king and lion and he turns and between the throne the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb and. No, we don't need them, do we? We need them. Actually, no. We need both. I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. He is Lord because he is victorious. And he is victorious, church, in the most unusual way. He died to defeat death. He died to kill death. This lamb was slain, slaughtered, to put to death our enemy. And so as this as John looks and he sees this vision between the throne and the four living creatures, do you see that? The throne is the center of the universe. And surrounding this throne, as we saw last week, are these, these circles, if you will. These circles of worship. These circles of creatures. Four living creatures and then the elders. But between the elders and the throne, there is one. There is one. And the Lamb standing as though He had been slain. And the tense here is a, is a perfect tense in the Greek language. So it's something that has this continual effect. There's a lamb there with his throat slit and you can see the scars. We will see those scars on Jesus. In his hands and in his feet. There's a perfect tense to that word, meaning that this victorious lamb who was slain was slaughtered. And this is all that the Old Testament points to again and again and again. What did God tell Abraham when he was about to offer up Isaac, his son? God Himself will provide a lamb. Remember that? What was it that God instructed His people to do in the Passover in Exodus chapter 12? Slaughter the lamb, put His blood over the lentil, and your lamb shall be without blemish, He said. Perfect. No flaws. In Isaiah chapter 53, this beautiful picture of the suffering servant of the Lord, like a lamb was led to slaughter. And John the Baptist Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Over and over and over and over, we see this picture of Jesus. And here he is, the Lamb who was slain. It's a once for all sacrifice. It's a once for all understanding that what he has done is enough. What was it Jesus said from the cross? It is what? It is finished. It is finished. And so. He still bears those scars. He still sets this direction for our lives. Through this victory, we have this perspective above this world that gives us an understanding. That gives us this picture of victory. And notice what else about this lamb. He is standing. He is standing. In the the gospel accounts of the resurrection that we read this morning, I love the one Jason read where... Where it was that Jesus was laying is now the seat where the angels are sitting. That that place of death has become a platform of proclamation. He is not here, he is risen. I love that picture. And here is Jesus standing there as though he had been slain. It's the same verb tense as slain in standing, meaning there's a permanence to it, okay? This is what Stephen saw. As he was shedding his blood as that first martyr in the Book of Acts, he saw he he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, and so here's this picture of this resurrected Savior standing there in Acts, cheering Stephen on, encouraging him, "You go, brother, it's worth it. I have won. I have won." And there's this Lamb standing. Think about it, church, and think about it every day. Think about it constantly. This lamb was slaughtered. And it was enough. And this lamb is now standing. And he will be forever. And he has taken our place. And so just as we follow Christ on the pathway of the cross... That's the whole picture of Revelation. And so often we tend to lose that. We tend to get lost in all the the images and the visions and the understanding. Well, what does this mean? And what does this mean? And what does this mean? Here's what Revelation means. Jesus, the Lamb, laid down His life. And with lion-like power and authority, He took it up again. And He is victorious. And those who follow Him, Must lay down their lives. They must take up their cross and follow him. Because the only path to victory is the path of the cross. It is the path of suffering. And once we have walked that path with Jesus in that path of suffering. Because of today. Because of the resurrection. Because of Resurrection Sunday. We have the confidence that it's worth it. It's worth it. There's victory at the end of it. And so there he stands then. There he stands today. And there he will stand forever. These seven horns and these seven eyes are a picture of his omniscience and his power. We'll get into that. And he's standing there with authority and with power. And he takes the scroll from the hand of God. And when he has taken the scroll, everybody in heaven and everybody here should recognize that he is worthy to be worshipped. And these songs, these hymns, there's five of them in Revelation 4 and 5. And every single one of them are songs of worship, hymns of praise, shouts of praise. And look at what it says. And worthy are you to take the scroll. Worthy is the Lamb. It says down there in verse 12. And down in verse 13. To the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and power. Do you understand what's happening here? God alone is worthy of worship. God alone. And Jesus Is God here. This amazing mystery of the Trinity is revealed for us. God, the father is on the throne. God, the son, given that authority from him, it's Daniel seven fulfilled. We're not going to get into that this morning, but this is Daniel seven fulfilled. And there he stands and there he receives worship. And who is it that's worshiping him? Uh, You have ransomed people. You have blood bought them out of slavery to sin. The writer of Hebrews tells us that he has, he has bought us out of the slavery of the fear of death. And you have ransomed people for God. Look at this. There's no discrimination here. Every tribe, every language, every people, and every nation. Look who he's saving. Look who he's saving, church. Those unreached people groups, those that we've never heard of, those that have never heard of him, those that don't have his word yet. He is and will save from every one of those tribes, every one of those nations, every one of those tongues will have representatives before the throne. What confidence that should give us in sharing our faith right here in Roxborough and around the world. God will save some of those people. He promises that it's not up to us. All we do is share. He does the saving. And look at this final thing I want to point out to you. He has saved and he has made. Look at verse 10. And you have made them a kingdom. A kingdom. That is who we are, church. Subjects to an eternal king. Subject. It's not a democracy. No one gets elected here. Jesus is king, and we are his subjects by his grace. He redeems us from out of our sin, out of our rebellion. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sin. That's the gospel. That's what we saw this morning in the sunrise service. Christ died according to the scriptures. He was buried, and he rose again according to the scriptures. And that's the good news for you today if you've never trusted in Jesus. This risen Savior, this this Lamb who was slain, is the Lion who rules and reigns and will judge. He will be your Savior or He will be your judge. Trust Him today. Turn to Him. He was slain because of your sin and mine. His blood was shed His life was poured out because mine and yours deserved to be. And he took that upon himself. And what he gives in return for that is his victory and his his accomplishments. We get his righteousness. We get his life, as Jason shared. It's awesome. We're a kingdom. And we have a role to play. We are priests to our God. So we have a relationship with God and we have a relationship with the world around us. And we stand in between those two. Paul says it's a ministry of reconciliation. God has reconciled us to Christ and has called us as his redeemed people to be ministers of reconciliation. So we pray for, we serve, we sacrifice ourselves. We lay our lives down for ourselves if we have to. Following the example of our priest and our king as we seek to serve the community around us. To Him alone be honor, glory, and blessing. And we don't want to be left out of this, guys. (laughs) Because in verse 13, every creature, I take that pretty literally. Every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, Jesus said, if we don't, the rocks themselves will cry out. Amen? He will be worshipped. He will be worshipped. And one day, every stiff knee and every stiff neck that has rebelled against him will one day bow and declare that Jesus is Lord. So, church, we have the opportunity today to come before him, sing to him, praise him, worship him, rejoice in the fact that our Savior is alive. And you have the opportunity today, if you've not done so yet, to trust this king as your own. To stop rebelling, stop running, and turn to Jesus. What a, what a great day it would be. Braden was baptized this morning. And that baptism is simply a picture. You understand this? There's nothing holy about this water up here. It's just a little warmer. Amen, Braden. You don't know. You've never been in it when it was warmed. It's a little warmer. But it's, it's a picture. It's a symbol. Paul tells us that it's a picture of us being died with we die with christ we are buried with christ go down into that water and we are raised with him raised in the newness of life would you like to have that newness of life today it's it's available to you through christ let's pray father god we thank you this morning that we can come together thank you for the the amens of your people thank you for the the, thank you for the noise of the children, Lord, just reminding us of what a blessing you've given us, God, in our families. Thank you, Lord, for the reminder of, of the way you receive us as little children. Thank you, Jesus, for just reminding us of how much you blessed and loved those kids that came to you. And how much you call us to humble ourselves and become like little children to come to you. Let you love us. Let you hold us. Let you care for us. Let you make us new. Father, I pray this morning for your church. I pray for us as your people to have this burning vision of you ruling and reigning, victorious standing. Help us, God, live in that and walk in that confidence. That we have been raised with you. And we will be raised with you. So help us serve you in that way, Lord. Knowing that we have already won. And we thank you we can sing about it. And we can praise you for it. And we do that in Jesus' name. Amen.